Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments. If you're going through any of life's transitions, this program is for you. Joyce is president and founder of Joy After Divorce, a one-on-one coaching practice that helps women rebuild and redesign their lives after divorce. As a certified coach, she's had extensive training, including mentoring and training by Jack Canfield of the Chicken Soup book series. Joyce is also a member of Leadership Texas. On today's program, Joyce and her guests will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host and coach, Joyce Buford. Good morning. It's great to be listening and knowing that you all are out there today because I have such an exciting show for you. And I'm always so excited when I can bring something that's going to be fun and full of good information. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Now, if you're one of those ladies out there that's going through transition, and that would probably be 99.9 of us, we're always going through transition. But some are more, let's say, major than others. They're life-changing. They really affect us in so many other, so many ways. I want you to just take a deep breath and allow this information to come in today. I want you to get a cup of coffee and sit down and find your favorite chair. And let's just enjoy this one hour that we're going to have together because it's going to be fun. And it's also going to bring you some ideas, things that you could think about to maybe adjust in your life. So I want to welcome our guest. And let me tell you a little bit about her before how we met. Her name is Sherry Truler. And... I was attending a uh, TASA, which is a Texas Association of Symphony Orchestra meeting in Tyler. Here, It was a state meeting that was being held here in Tyler. And in walked this six-foot attractive woman that just empowers the room when she walks in. And I just immediately went, I want to get to know her. And so... <laughs> I I did. I went over and met her, and she's just been absolutely a delight to get to know. I wish we weren't so far away. But anyway, she describes herself as the benefit auctioneer who escaped corporate cubicle to launch Red Apple Auctions. Now, this is a company that's focused at a charity auction. She is a charity auctioneer auction educator and on-stage auctioneer, helping schools and nonprofits across the USA plan more profitable benefit auctions. I applaud this because for many years I was a volunteer and I was one of those people out there struggling to find the dollar to support my organization, be it Women's Symphony League, music, be it the school, whatever it is that our hearts are called to follow. 
So I so appreciate knowing that Sherry is out there. But the bad thing is I missed her when I was doing that work. I I couldn't find you, Sherry. Where were you? <laughs> welcome, 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 Sherry. We are delighted you were with us this morning. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me on this show here. I'm sitting here going, okay, I want to go get a cup of coffee and nestle in somewhere and listen to this speaker <laughs> because I'm excited to hear. <laughs> oh, yeah. <funny>. Well, <laughs> it was so much fun listening to your talk that day uh, at the and I was just, I was just there, you know, you were, you're such a great presenter. And so it was just fascinating. But let me tell them a little bit more about you. Because as I read your, your bio, you started out as a specialty concrete uh, representative in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Yes. Then moved. Then you busted. Then you moved into corporate America. Well, I guess that was corporate America, but but you moved inside. Let's say, from exside to inside to General Electric. Then you moved from there to TV, where you were on a TV show and and selling uh, modeling uh, clothes, and then you moved to plus size modeling which took you all over the world and to Europe and the United States for seven years. And then you said, I'm going to be an auctioneer. I, you have no boundaries. You are just, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I left out the part about the animal training part. So anyway, tell us just uh, well, let me let me let me do one thing just for transparency. I was not hosting a television show. I've been on a couple of television shows, but okay. I did I did do. The, you're correct with the seven years of modeling and so forth, and 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 everything else is is rolling along correctly. But I don't want anyone to think that I was hosting a television show or doing anything like that on television. It was just that by sometimes you know by nature of the position that you might have. In my case, modeling and auctioneering, both of which are kind of unusual. Um, well, I don't know if modeling is unusual, but it's a, um, a career that a number of people have interest in, we'll say. Right. And yeah. so because of that, it that kind of led to being on a couple of television shows. And it's easier to just get on those if you understand how they operate and work and, and how they're set up, you know, for whether you're pitching right. an idea or something like that. But yeah, I've had a lot of fun things that have I've been able to do and, and hopefully even more before I leave this earth. <laughs> <laughs> now, did those just kind of come to you or did you actually pursue them? That is a, that is a great question. And I, uh, for many, many years, I would sit there and go, what is it I want to do? What do I, you know, I'm stumped. And I recall a conversation I had when I was at GE and the, uh, one of my colleagues knew from little on up that she wanted to be an FBI agent. That was Mm. passion. And Mm. she would talk to me about this and I'll just call her, you know, Debbie. Okay. (laughs) And so, um, Debbie would talk about this and talk about this. And I'd be like, you know what, if I knew what I wanted to do, That'd be awesome because I'd go do it, but yeah. I don't know what I want to do. So consequently, I'm kind of just floating out here. And she, at one point, um, she she had a small daughter and she was divorced, and and she had an opportunity to go into work for the FBI as a desk 
job, not in ah, the agency. But yeah. she didn't take it because she said, well, you know, it'd be a $20,000 pay cut. And I've got a little baby now. And I feel like I want to make sure that, you know, she's well provided. And I'm like, Debbie, if there's ever a time to do it, do it now. The baby yeah. doesn't care what she wears. <laughs> you know, this is this is about showing empowerment and being strong and, and yeah. taking that. But she didn't. She stayed. She stayed in the safe the safe haven yeah um, oh. of working it there and that's that's where i i didn't uh you know that's nothing that i wanted to do i always felt like if i knew what i wanted to do i would jump on it but i never yeah. really knew so it's that coming to understand and trust your interests and you know mm-hmm. what people say your intuition or your gut mm-hmm. or your feelings but it's very scary to do that right well you know i never really um thought I was going to be in radio either with the radio show and it just kind of presented itself that I was introduced as a guest and then I had a person behind me that sort of believed that I uh, that would be I could do this and so she just gently nudged me into this and it was just it's been so rewarding although it was never on my horizon to do this, but it's been really rewarding for me to experience because I get to meet awesome people, and it's just fun. It's fun. But you mean, you know, for that young lady, Mm -hmm. it is stepping in the direction of the dream that's so important. Yes. I believe we've talked about this as well, this idea that even if you have an interest that sounds crazy to others or yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. taking the time each day just five minutes ten minutes to do research online or to enroll in a class or to get uh, you know take a step in that direction to learn more about that business um, whether it's you know writing something down to follow up on that's important in mm-hmm. nurturing your your soul mm-hmm. and I think that uh, that you know many people it's it's it, they don't make that a it's it doesn't become a priority it's just pushed down and pushed down and pushed down but if there's something that you've got an interest in who knows where that can lead just as you mentioned with your radio show mm-hmm. it didn't start out there but it right. evolved to that and can lead to many other many other doors right well when you decided that you wanted I know this was a definite step for you but when you decided to leave GE yes and you decided that you would go into auctioneering modeling modeling oh modeling okay yeah because big place there because modeling is age sensitive Mm-hmm. Yes. Auctioneering, you, you're going to have a hard time pulling some auctioneers off the podium at age 95. <laughs> so it, that can have a lot more longevity as far as a career goes. But the modeling, you know, regardless of the fact that they you, know, you can see mature models being used and so forth, if you're really going to get into that at this point in time, it is pretty age sensitive. So if I knew I was going to do it, it had to be before I really started to look my age. Mm. That that was the driver. Yeah. So had you had any training in modeling, or is there training for modeling? or? I wish there was, because I would have taken the class and (laughs) read the book. (laughs) Uh, The the research that I did is that I had always 
from little on up, I'd always been told that I was photogenic, but uh-huh. I grew up in a very small town in the middle of, of Kansas, and certainly the idea of modeling would never have crossed my mind. It just wasn't even part of the yeah. conversation. How would you go right. about doing something like that? It just wouldn't have. So, but, you know, now, you know, flash forward, I'm living in Washington, D.C., and I had started to research online about you know, on Google and internet searches, and I found out that first off, they're plus okay, size Sherry. model. Yes, Sherry, I'm going to interrupt you here because I okay. don't want you to get into this story and not be able to finish it, and so we're going to have to go to break. Okay, but you're living in Washington D.C. That would be interesting. Where you broke from, where you live. Okay, turn back to your. We return with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break. Time and change are accelerating, making it increasingly difficult to gracefully go with the flow. Women Change the World presents conversations with featured guests about changes in their lives and how that change has created new and positive opportunities. Women Change the World with your host, Dr. Beth Golden, Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central here on toginet.com. We all know that change can knock you off course, and Dr. Beth's show and practices focus on revealing everything that's right with you. This information will help you make choices that align your true nature and set you along your path of least resistance. As Dr. Beth says, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. For more on Dr. Beth and her show, go to drbethgolden.com. That's drbethgolden.com. Women Change the World with your host, Dr. Beth Golden. Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central here on toginet.com. Welcome to The Quip with Miriam Nicole Huffman, a modern woman's guide to styling her faith, family, and finances. The online radio show dedicated to today's positive, purpose-driven woman who's ready to heal her heart, her head, and her household by realigning with what she values most. If your highest values are faith, family, finances, and freedom, you're in the right place. Host Miriam Nicole Huffman is a woman on a mission. Her mess to success journey has taken her from life as an upper-middle-class stay-at-home mom to a broke single mom to living a life of joy and wholeness as she builds a thriving business while raising her healthy, happy family. Every week on The Quip, Miriam Nicole shares her love, life, legal, and lifestyle success secrets. Whether it's wisdom you're seeking, inspiration and motivation from someone who's hit rock bottom and risen to success, or you want to know how to fully align your faith, family, and finances to create more freedom for yourself, you're in excellent hands with Miriam Nicole. Check out past shows by clicking on the podcast player to the right or check our recent guests in the blog below. Got a question for Miriam Nicole? Want to be a guest on her show? Email us at thequip at miriamnicolehuffman.com and join us every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. 
This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. We are talking today with Sherry Truler, and she is an auctioneer. Sherry, you were just sharing with us, and I had to break in, but about your life as moving from uh, General Electric into modeling. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I had done the research and realized that there was plus size modeling was starting to kind of be have an uptick at that point, mm-hmm. and there was calls, open casting calls at agencies that you would go to to break in. And so I did those and got flat out rejected, but I kept at it (laughs) and had been told that I should come back to Miami in January when the season was kicking in. So I did and and I got picked up. And I think that this this is how you kind of know when you're things are starting to move in the right direction. I'd gone down there and the the gal who met with me said, well, you know, I can see that you've got some potential here, but your photos are horrible because I'd just taken some (laughs) candid photo shots. Right. You know, and your hair is wrong and you got a chip in your tooth and your nose is kind of big. And, but I'm willing to take you on and just plan on spending a lot of money down here on photos because these are bad. So you have two weeks to get down here. So I rented out my entire house. I, you know, packed up the Honda Civic. I drove down there. And this this is one example just to kind of help people uh, put this in perspective. Where am I going to live, right? I I wanted to find a place. And at that time, I said $400. That's all I'm willing to spend on accommodations. Mm -hmm. And so I had, you know, most of the places that I was calling down there in South Beach, which is where the Oh, my gosh. Popular. (laughs) <laughs> that's, a, that's an expensive area. <laughs> it is. and But for $400, believe it or not, there are men who will let you sleep on their sofa. <laughs> You're kidding me. <laughs> Which was feeling a little dangerous to me. So I had also had a vendor who had worked with me at GE, and she had uh, a gentleman, a friend, a former boss from the Association of, National, of Governors who had moved down there. So he sent, she sent an email down to him and said, hey, I've got a former, you know, client who's moving mm-hmm. down there, know anybody who can put her up, you know. He right. sent out a, on a, the list serve to his neighborhood, hey, there's this gal who's coming down. She needs a place to stay. Lo and behold, a guy responded and said, look, I travel a lot. I've got two dogs. They need to be cared for. How? You can stay with me for free. For free, just take care of the dogs. Well, I love dogs. (laughs) I'm like, this was heaven. So I ended up, every winter, I would move down there for the work, and I would um, live with him for free, take care of the dogs. But that was just an opening that happened that, to me, was a a kind of a a little gem, a breadcrumb that said, you're on the right path. You know, it's okay. Trust it. It's going to work out for you. It's going to work out. So um, even though I hadn't, you know, been rejected or accepted right away, I moved down there. And for four months, nothing happened. I spent money on photographs. I went to castings. Nothing happened. And this is this is where, you know, my, my parents are like, well, are you interviewing? <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, I'm uh, not kidding. <laughs> are you? Uh, have you found any jobs? 
I'm not really looking for jobs. I'm doing some, you know, but not, nope, kind of giving this a chance. <laughs> so it's oh it's awkward in that sense because yeah. uh, certainly they're looking out for your welfare, but yeah, uh, you know, changing directions isn't isn't always uh, for the. It's not always easiest for the people who are close to you. It's easier sometimes right. for you than for the people who are close to you. Well, so, that's, almost, that's almost where you have to really believe in your dream. Whatever you want to do, even though they love you, they want to support you, but they can give you bad advice as far as your dream is concerned. Because true. they're so could care. They want to make sure you're safe. And you, you know, you're not on the streets. But your dream sometimes costs you risk. Yes. And, yes, and so. But now you're going to tell us about the worth, how exciting it was. Yeah, well, and so I'm down there for four months. Nothing happens. And I thought, well, you know what? At a couple of years prior, I had gone to auction school, maybe maybe a year and a half at that point. I'd have to do the math. But, and I thought, well, I've got time down here, mm-hmm. so why don't I – enroll. I don't know what kind of an auctioneer necessarily I want to be. Why don't I enroll a real estate school? Because in Florida, you needed to be a real estate agent if you want to do something. So you could auction real estate, for instance. So I enrolled in real estate school uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. On Thursday of real estate school, my agency calls. She says, all right, we've got somebody who wants to test you out. You need to be on the beach at on Ocean and, and 14th at, you know, two o'clock this afternoon. It's with a client, a German client. Ah. So I had to leave class, which you can only miss a few hours of the class and they'll flunk you. I said, I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Cruised down there and they did a couple of two or three test shots, which actually, if if people poke around on my website there, you can see that original test shot that they did. (laughs) And six weeks later, I'm in Germany working. Oh my gosh, how exciting. Yes, but it was all the week before I'm getting ready to pack up and come back to Virginia. Oh. Four months I'm down there. Nothing's going on. I'm spending money. I'm going on castings. The week I'm like, well, I'll enroll in real estate school. This is good for me. Sitting there on the fourth day of that get this call so it's it's not like it's even you know some i i i'm admire or not admire i'm i guess almost envious of people where it just rolls out so easily they try something and boom it starts but for me it's would be the last bit <laughs> well i don't think it always moves out so smoothly i think that we constantly have these these adjustments and and you know we you would don't know that Germany job. Yes, it was exciting, but you didn't have the promise there would be another one after it. It's sort of like you go for it, you take the next step, you do it, you take the next step, you do it, and it just keeps moving forward. But after you, after the Germany, you went on and worked. Did you work for? I don't know. Do you work by, by an agent? Is Correct. that how you do the modeling? Right. In, in, in you can probably get by doing small jobs locally for a few hundred dollars Mm. without an agent. But at some point, the way that the industry is set up, you need an an agency. So I had several agencies, my core one being Dorothy Combs, which is in Miami, and she does a fabulous job with her plus-size models. That's all she represents, in fact. And so I was working in Europe primarily. That was where my big client was. That client who tested me out was my biggest client for several years and I got to travel all over 
well, wow. you know, Germany a lot, and then and then uh, Canary Islands and some other places like that. That isn't it interesting that for so many years I wanted to work for large international corporations with the hope that I would be able to work internationally for them. It yeah. never happened until I followed my gut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love it. This is a great story. But after seven years of modeling and being on the, did you decide, was it the age limit oh, thing age, that yes. decided? Absolutely. Okay. And that was, I would have never have been able to do that if I would have been younger. Because at that point in time, at least I was old enough to have a bit of a sense of myself. But I was, I was 36 when I got into modeling. And all of my peers were early 20s. You know, so, <laughs> so it was not a very comfortable environment for me in that sense either. Because, but it did yeah. open me up. I'm not nearly as modest as I used to be because, you know, quite frankly, you're right. undressing on the street and that's, you just deal with it. You know, they might hold up a sheet. They might not. You're in the back of a van. You got to put on a dress, a swimming suit. You got to do whatever. It's not very glamorous at right. all. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it did, it t- what I enjoyed about it was, uh, first, you know, I kind of learned some things about myself from, mm-hmm. uh, from a beauty standpoint, because you've got all these people that are working on you and, and they're, they're, they're verbalizing. So it's like, oh, you know, Sherry, your hair pattern is a little bit different than other people's. Oh, really? Well, tell me oh. about that. You know, I didn't know because uh-huh. of my hair. Uh-huh. And then it's like, well, you know, Sherry, uh, your, you know, skin seems to absorb makeup a lot. Oh, well, great. You know, you just pick up on things that you just wouldn't, I wouldn't have ever have known otherwise. So I enjoyed that part of it and the right. creativity behind it and understanding how that industry works. Yeah. Right. Well, isn't it interesting how all of those things, so Sherry, the information that you learned, the, the being in front of the camera, the being in front of audiences, is all translated into your profession that you have now. So one would almost think it, it, it was an, a stepping stone for your development. Mm, I think you're right. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so then you went back to auctioneering. Yes. So I, you know, modeling by and large, unless you are working an awful lot, and I can tell you most girls have some downtime, <laughs> you are able to then cultivate a different career or interest. And so uh, in, in my case, I was, I had the auctioneering. And so I was doing a lot of research on that and understanding the business and, um, and exploring different paths that I could take with that. Well, we are going to, we have just a few uh, minutes here and we'll be going to break. So I don't want to get into the auctioneering story because I know it's going to take all the next segment to talk about auctioneering. But I love the progression that you went through, the adventures that you went through, and then and then the idea that you had wanted to go international and it was even possible with this job of modeling to do that dream. So you know, I think we're all always building on our dreams. I do. Yes, so, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So we will be back shortly to hear more from Sherry as she tells us about how she decided to go forward with auctioneering, a career that's not your typical women's 
return with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break. Are you looking for something more in your life or business? More success? More stability? More happiness? It's all out there waiting for you, but it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the WooHoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smarts, strategies, and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff. And find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. Welcome, welcome. We are talking with Sherry Truler, a woman auctioneer, and it's just been fascinating to hear Sherry's career as it as life has prepared her, moving her through to her present position as owner of uh, Red Apple Auctions. So Sherry, tell us a little bit more about how you decided after being that model for seven years to go into auctioneering. Because it's not, you know, most people would go on to be a secretary, but of course that was out of the question for you. But I mean, how did you choose auctioneering? Right. The The beauty of uh, of the modeling was that I did have time to explore other things. And so even though it when I left GE, that was a very firm break, and then to try something else. In the case of the modeling, I was starting to do more and more auctions, even as I was a model. And that worked out well, because with modeling, you tend to get booked more quickly. Like, you, 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 I have several stories. I'd be vacationing back home with my parents and I got a phone call. We need you in New York the next day. We've got a gene. We're going to, it's a casting for genes. Well, lo and behold, you know, at two in the morning, you're driving to the airport so that you can fly to New York to, to do this casting. That, that is short term, yeah. but mm-hmm. auctions are booked in the benefit world long term, some, you know, months in advance oftentimes. Yeah. So, so in that sense, I was able to transition 
much more easily um, because I was already spending more and more of my time. And as the modeling, as I aged, as I became really kind of less interested in the modeling and started to put more of my energy and attention on the auctions, that naturally started to blossom more. So... But what was it that drew you to auctioneering? Oh, totally just something fun. So back when I was working at GE, I thought, you know, and I don't really know how this came about, but Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to learn how to do that fast talk that auctioneers are known for. (laughs) And it's called the chant in Mm -hmm. the word. So I did a Google search (laughs) and there are such a things as auction school auctioneer schools and I thought oh I'm going to take a week of vacation and I'm going to go to auctioneer school this will be fun I'll, I'll go back to Kansas City because there was a school there called Missouri Auction School based in Kansas City which mm-hmm. I thought great I'll have drinks with my sorority sisters at night and during the day I'll learn how to do the chant <laughs> I love this philosophy I love it I love it so I go well lo and behold the the auction school's not held in Kansas City it's held in St. Louis because I don't know why but that that's where they hold the school so I the the whole idea of, of having drinks at night with my sisters didn't really pan out but I did learn as I'm sitting there in class every day that there's all sorts of types of auctioneers and so you're spending maybe 25 30 percent of the time learning the chant and the rest of the time you're learning about how the business works. And so I had been exposed to a benefit auctioneer in the course of that. And so when I had gone back to Virginia, I had started to volunteer at different events um, just mm-hmm. to see how it worked, you know, what, what, what was all this about kind of a thing. So all of that is kind of happening as I transition out and do the modeling. And, you know, it's, it's kind of this nice segue and mix of uh, a variety of, of interests that I'm kind of pursuing at that time and and um, am able to make it make it all string together into the quilt of my life. Yeah. <laughs> that, the, the typical one, of course, growing up in West Texas was the cattle auctions, you know, that we always thought about. But uh, as I become more involved with volunteerism and fundraising that way, of course, of course, we always did it kind of like, you know, the previous auction uh, young woman that was in charge of the uh, silent auction always passed yeah. it on to the next with the book. Yes. But, you know, we don't make much money that way. We yes. really don't because we don't have the skills. We don't know. We don't have the uh, knowledge. But you turned it into a, a I. It has to be profitable because you're busy all the time and you're talking and you're doing, you're juggling 16 balls. When I go to your website, I'm going, oh my gosh, you know, there's just so much happening. But tell us exactly what auctioneering is and how, how did you decide on benefit auctions? Well, and you're, you're kind of hitting some nails on the head with regards to how the auction industry is very diversified. Yeah. So you have commercial auctions, which is what many people are familiar with. And that might be something like, to your point, that it was a livestock sale or it's an estate sale or it's yes. an auto auction. And let me tell you, every one of those industries has its own code, if you will, how they work, how things are set up. But the premise is the same, that you're bringing a bunch of buyers together uh, and you're selling merchandise to the, the, at the highest market price. So that piece of it is, is similar. The benefit world is different than the commercial world in many respects because these are not necessarily buyers to look 
at getting a deal. They will Mm -hmm. move into that mode mentally if you let them and if you set up the auction in a way that they have a perception that they should get a deal. But Mm -hmm. by and large, we're trying to change the mentality from a place, um, a market space like that to something that is a bit more uh, generous in in nature. Mm -hmm. So there's these two different kind of realms here. And you can do commercial auctions from livestock to selling intellectual property rights to selling duck decoys. And there's a guy in St. Louis who does a pretty good living selling primarily a lot of um, comic books. You know, so that's, that's an interesting realm. But the, the industry on the, on the benefit side has been growing, and it's phenomenal um, because it's become more professionalized. And I'm not the first benefit auctioneer to start to really analyze this industry. There's a gentleman out of Seattle. His name is Kip Toner. I think he was one of the landmark guys who really started to bring professionalism to the industry. And mm-hmm. he has then mentored and taught many, many other auctioneers and has him along with some other longstanding auctioneers have kind of stepped into the um, National Auctioneers Association, which is our kind of overseeing uh, you know, it's a it's a body of association of auctioneers mm-hmm. and it has helped to educate others. And so I've taken some of their early trainings. And I think what you're seeing, Joyce, is I've put it in a format that is, I hope, more digestible mm-hmm. to the volunteer who's stepping up and saying, I want to make a difference and I want to do it right. And I know how to throw a party, but mm-hmm. I don't know how to throw a fundraiser where we're going to make $100,000. And right. for many people... That's scary. Right. It's scary. Because right. I, I can plan, and many, 99% of the people who are stepping forward are women. You probably yes. saw that in the nonprofit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so they know how to, these women, I mean, at first, many of them are quite accomplished, even outside of whatever they're doing now. You have to talk to them and you find out all these wonderful stories about things that they've done. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, they, they know how to plan a party. They can plan an anniversary gala. They can they've planned their kids birthday parties but putting this price tag on it to say and oh by the way at the end of the night you know we want to have fifty thousand dollars net to raise money for this cause that that is where there's a area of growth that women can learn how to do that just as they have you know learned how to use a computer it's just there's a process behind that and that's what i've really focused on in my business is taking those steps making them into a process and saying all right here's how this works if you want to do internet marketing and and build out your auction online here's how that works if you want to learn how to do the right items so that you're not wasting your time getting the wrong ones here's how that works Mm -hmm. now does do you think it is a benefit that you a woman is working in this area of benefit auctioning? I think, I know, I know that there is a difference between marketing to women versus men. Mm -hmm. So I would say that there are some inherent advantages being a woman and understanding how to speak the language Mm -hmm. that guys might not, unless they learn it, and it can be learned but may not naturally gravitate towards. Right. Uh, it was really, for you all listening out there, I I uh, went to Sherry's website, which is, Sherry, what is your website? It's Quickly. Red, redappleauctions.com. Okay. And I, at that website, 
Sherry has so much information. I mean, you can do products to help you build whatever type of auction, sort of a base. But I went to a section she also has provided us with videos of her auctioning off different items at different events. Talk about an expert. It's fabulous to watch how you how you encourage and get these people to bid over. I think I was watching, a, uh, it was a Sunday. Uh, it was an item they had just sprung on you. And it was a, they were bidding on a special dessert made out of liquid nitrogen, ice cream dessert. And it was just fascinating to see how you took this item and developed it with the chef was going to do this for a table. Mm-hmm. You developed it and, um, it, and amazing what they all paid for that. But as you said, you established early on in the evening that it was a benefit and you're giving, you're spending this money to support a cause that you believe in. Yes. The, and that is built in ideally to the event long before I even arrive, you know, and that's part of what I uh, like to work with my clients on. The, the commercial auction, it's very much about speed when you're selling it. And there's a little room for personality, but not as much as a benefit auction where by and large, you're, the people pay me for my personality on the stage. Right. That's what yeah. that comes down to just the auctioneering piece, not the not the education piece, but the on-site auctioneering piece. There is uh, a, a um, you know that that charisma or that connection that you want to have with the crowd. So right. consequently. The reason I put, well, first, videos, every auctioneer should have videos on their site at this point. Right. Videos are so easy to produce. And it, you, how can you tell whether someone's good or not until you actually see something real life? Right. So that that's one way for, to, to show people. But it's that personality that you're, you know, you're stopping for a moment and then you're, provoking, uh, you're yeah. encouraging, encouraging. <laughs> you're yeah. throwing in a personality to in, right. engage people and keep, because... 10 to 20% of the crowd there is going to participate in the live auction. That's it. So what are you going to do with the other 80%? You don't want them to be disengaged. You want right. them to have fun as well. And that's, okay. um, that's what the personality does. Well, we are, I just hate to do this, but we're, I need to break in. We're going to go for a break. because, And I would encourage you all to go to the website and see her awesome uh, auctioneering. But when we come back, We're going to get a brief lesson in how to do the chant. Are you ready, teacher? (laughs) Yes. We return with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break. This is God in Country. The Collision of Faith and Politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. 
Dr. Sean holds a bachelor's degree in biblical counseling and master's and doctorate degrees in theology and is currently pursuing a doctorate in ministry with a Hebrew worldview focus. Through his counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. Join host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener, every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on this radio network. If you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace, joy, and abundance, wouldn't that make your heart soar? Now you can with Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central. Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches Lessons in Joyful Living. She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I.com. Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. Sherry Truler is an amazing woman in that she is a benefit auctioneer, has been a model, and, and done so many other things. But she's created Red Apple Auctions, and... When we left, we were going to come back and learn a little bit about the awesome chant that they all do. You know, if I were to think about going into auctioneering, that chant would be the thing that would stop me. I'd go, oh, no, I can't do that. So, Sherry, how do you get started into the chant? Yes. At auction school, before you even arrive, they send you some tongue twisters to start working on. And some of those tongue twisters are for enunciation purposes. Some mm-hmm. of those tongue twisters are for rhythm purposes. Ah. Now, the basic of an auction chant is the numbers. If people can't understand you and don't know what the number is that they're bidding on, they're not going to bid. So, yeah. in essence, you could have... A chant that is strictly numbers, one, 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 two, 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 three, three, three. It just doesn't sound that appealing. So mm-hmm. we put in what we call filler words to help smooth that out. So mm-hmm. that's the, the three most common filler words that we have uh, are, would be dollar bid, mm-hmm. now, now, okay. and then would a give up. Would a give up. Would a give up. So if just using those three, you can start to see how a pattern um, develops. And the key thing is that at least in, in America with the chant here, we tend to say what we have once and then we mm-hmm. like to ask for what we want three times. 
So okay. I might say something like $1 bid, now two, now two, would it give a two? So I've stated I have one, and uh-huh. now I'm looking for two, two, two. So for, yeah. even just using that, you know, $1 bid, now two, now two, would it give a two? And it's funny because as I'm doing this, I'm thinking back to a time when I was modeling and I had a, a one of my colleague models did a very good job. She just used that. And next time I saw her and we worked again, she's like, okay, I've been practicing. <laughs> here it is. <laughs> so so as you can start to work on that, let's just, you know, hear it. One dollar bid, now two, now two, would it give a two? Two dollar bid, now three, now three, would it give a three? Three dollar bid, now four, now four, would it give a four? You know, and that is the basic chant well what if you get what what happens when you get up into the multiple numbers it gets even more um it it does and you would want to practice those for instance if someone said why don't you you know become a cattle auctioneer well first Mm -hmm. cattle auctions are one of the fastest chants around Uh, benefit auctions are one of the slowest chants around okay um in Livestock or even auto auctions, those are buyers who are sophisticated. They're going to auctions three, four times a week. They know the auctioneers. They know the numbers. So a benefit auction or a real estate auction tend to be the slowest because you have buyers who that might be the only auction they attend a year. Yeah. So you slow down the chant. But as you get bigger, like with the livestocks, they bid in pennies, so you're you're generally bidding like sixty two point two five cents per pound. Oh my! Okay. So so you'd be bidding, you know, or we'll say forty two, forty two and a quarter. So they they they'd say you know forty two and a quarter now half, and the buyers would know that they're talking about now half forty two and a half. But the the auctioneer himself might say forty two and a quarter now half now seventy five and three. Oh. And then every once in a while, he'll go back and maybe pick up the 43. But they're yeah. just following along because they're more sophisticated and they understand. So I couldn't, you know, I, could I do that? Well, with a lot of practice and desire, it's just not where I am right now. Well, how do you uh, keep the train of thought in that I've seen an auctioneer and I was at an event that I will not talk about, but the auctioneer was having trouble remembering the last bid. Now, um, for whatever reason, but you have to be pretty focused on that the last bid is thirty two hundred because that's where some of your bidding was in your videos that I watched. Yes. It was thirty two hundred now going for thirty three let's say that which spurs on another question to me is one, how you remember what the last bid was. Mm-hmm. And then how do you determine how to accelerate the bid from 20, 32 to 33 I see. versus 32 to 35, the jumping in there? Right. The, the remembering is just something that you learn to do, like you remember your best friend's birthday. Yeah, okay. okay. Um, and sometimes... I, there there have been times in the nine years that I've run my business where I will start to engage a bidder mm-hmm. in some sort of repertoire, you know, rapport, repertoire. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I did not 
stop to think what number I was on before I started this little engagement. And now yeah. I'm turning to my, my team member and saying it was, it was 32, right? You know, because, so I have, I will admit there's been times where I've, I've missed it. It's, I haven't been 100% on that, but you should, a good auctioneer really should remember. So if you were seeing somebody who was not, then they're there, I don't know, you know, that situation. But the other, the other piece that as far as the accelerating of the bid increments um, mm-hmm. There are some standard increments, and I'll tell you a little story, kind of a, a, a story on myself, really. When I was competing in an early competition, uh, I think it was the state of Virginia competition for chanting, uh, I, I was doing $2 increments, mm-hmm. um, two, four, six, eight, you know, and we're selling little tiny stuff that pretty much is going to sell for less than 30 bucks. So okay. from that standpoint, it seemed to make sense to me, and I could work those increments. Mm-hmm. Well, afterwards, an auctioneer said, where did you get these $2 increments? <laughs> what? Stop doing that. That's not standard. So there are some standard increments that are generally used. And in a benefit auction, if I see a bunch of hands go up in the air initially for an item, then I'm more inclined to say, if I start out $1,000 and I've got eight hands in the air, I'll probably jump it to 1500 If uh, I see yeah. two hands in the air, it's probably 1200 You know, and mm-hmm. but... It, it, I'll vary it based on that. There's some rules of thumb that you can use that, that some auctioneers will use. I think this is maybe more on the commercial side, but maybe it works for benefits too. Whereby if you're like in $1,000 increments, you should be at 250 If you're under 500 it should be $100, that kind of thing. Ah, yeah. Well, let's say that I'm in charge of this event, and I am wanting to determine... Um, who would I go to? How would I find them? Um, just how do you go about finding? What's the process for finding an auctioneer? That's a, that's a common question. And fortunately, the NAA has made it very easy to help you find an auctioneer. And for that matter, a number of state associations have as well. So the first thing I would well, first, ask around because mm-hmm. your colleagues in the nonprofit space are going to have some idea of who's out there and who they like and who they don't like. So that's always a, a good way. But let's mm-hmm. just say that you're on a remote island and you've no place where to start. If that's the case, then if you go to the National Auctioneers Association, which I think is auctioneers.org, they have a search function whereby you can find a local auctioneer. Just search on your state and your city and, and you'll see a number of them come up. Oh, okay. The next, the next step I would say, uh, you know, there is a uh, certification that the NAA offers called BAS, Benefit Auctioneer Specialist. So the next level of detail I would look for is to say, all right, who's got a BAS? Because although that, you know, doesn't guarantee that you're getting a um, an, the, the right auctioneer for you, at the very least, it guarantees that you've got an auctioneer who's interested enough in learning about the benefit side that they've taken it upon themselves to get some extra education to better understand that side of the auctioneering industry. And that's to me, is a positive. So you find an auctioneer, you can see if they have a BAS, and at that point then, you can start looking at websites and getting a pretty good sense of what their knowledge is, their commitment, what they've got up there, and that is going to be pretty insightful for many people because you can start to say, well, who do I identify with? This right. is somebody that's you know, going to represent our nonprofit on the stage. This is somebody who's going to, in many cases, be speaking our mission 
Right. Who do I want in front of our crowd to be able to articulate what we do and why it's important and why you should make a commitment to give your money to us versus the other 40 charities asking for it? Well, I really like for my listeners to hear your website again because you are just so focused on the benefit. I thought you were awesome. So what is your website Yes, it's redappleauctions.com. And one of the tools that I have on there that I think would be most helpful to people, and it's the most popular download that I have, is called the Auction Item Guide. And this is something that I pull together every year, so it's fresh information. But I go through all of the auctions that I work, which is about 50 a year, um, personally. So 50 different events throughout the country a year. And I go through these live auction items and I say, which ones were the most popular? Which ones really got the crowd going? And I pull that into an item guide so that they can look at that and be inspired and and say, well, we've got something that might kind of work. I wonder if this this would work with our crowd. So that's that's available. side you can almost immediately apply for that right. i've got a little video and we'll talk well we are just start yeah we are coming to the end of this program it's way too too short i could talk to you another 30 minutes about auctioneering you're such a delight to have on the program sherry and i just want to thank you for giving your time so that the listeners out there can get excited about auctioneering they can get excited about the opportunities that are out there and i think the big takeaway today is when you have a dream just keep moving so thank you sherry for being with us Joyce, it has been a pleasure. You are a great host. Thank you. Ah, thank you. So we are always looking for fun people like Sherry to talk to. And I want I want to learn how to do the chant, Sherry. So maybe I'll do it on a very slow pace. But because um, <laughs> I can my tongue can get pretty tangled sometimes, as my listeners will tell you. But anyway. Always, always, it's a pleasure to be able to bring such fascinating people as Sherry Truler to you today. I hope you have learned something because it's sticking out that makes the difference. Till next week. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Second Wind. Join us again next week at the same time as Joyce and her guests share strategies of growth and renewal. You'll learn how to attain goals and dreams and create the life you want to live to its fullest. Second Win with host, author, and coach Joyce Buford returns next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central right here on the Toginet Radio Network. As we walk.